I welcome everyone who's listening online today. My name is Ed Travers. I'm the teaching pastor here at LifePoint in Westerville. Uh, If you've been following along in our series labels, then you know we've been reading through the book of Luke. Uh, And this past Saturday, we finished up uh, the book of Luke. I hope that you've uh, been able to connect. Uh, You've maybe created a new habit or maybe just had a really great time with the Lord studying through the book of Luke together. Um, It's a Um, been really cool. I was thinking as I was preparing for this message about how there are times in life when I've just been blown away by things. You know, you witness things that kind of take your breath away. Maybe you can identify with that. Think uh, maybe the first time you flew and your plane went up above the clouds and you could see the sun and all of that. Or maybe, uh, you know, you saw the ocean for the first time. Or maybe if they put a little baby in your arms on day one, right? There are things that you see in life that kind of take your breath away. You, You realize this is one of those moments you'll hear in awe. But in the same way, there have been times spiritually when I've seen people take steps of faith that really blow me away. Now, let me give you an example of that. Uh, several years ago at the Lewis Center campus, uh, we were doing Life Change Sunday. Now, Life Change Sunday is a day where, uh, you know, the pastor will get up and speak. And in this case, it was Dean talking about the importance of baptism, that, that when you hear the message of the gospel, when you understand it in your mind and you allow it to infiltrate your heart and you submit your life to Christ and you call out to him to save you from your sins and ask for forgiveness and, and you believe in Jesus, you trust in him. After that moment, baptism is the next step. It's one of those steps you take to go public with your faith. Now, Jesus said, you know, go therefore and make disciples and uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and uh, teach them all of the things I've commanded, teach them to obey those things. So baptism is that step. So on Life Change Sunday, the pastor, you know, in this case, Dean, like shares that message and then tells people, look, you can get baptized right now. If you are a follower of Christ, if you've made that decision to follow Jesus, you can get baptized right now. And then he tells people, look, we've taken care of all the details. And they do, the, the whole church does that. So I'm there at Lewis Center and Dean is preaching this message and, and all these people get up to get baptized. And I'm watching all these people go forward one after another, after another, after another that are taking steps of faith. And I'm just being overwhelmed with joy and a sense of awe that that God is moving in the midst of the people. It's fun to watch. So then I see this guy, a friend of mine, really big military dude, uh, just gets up and gets baptized, comes out of the water, just arms up in the air. And it was so like overwhelmed, I was excited. But that's not what struck me. What struck me was this next thing there was a young lady named Renee and Renee is in a wheelchair and she decides she's going to go forward. She wants to get baptized. And I'm sitting there watching that. Now look, I'm on the other side of the curtain, if you will. Like I'm, I plan services like this and I can tell you there's no plan on the spot when someone comes up in a wheelchair. Like how do you get them in the water? How do you get them out? Like you didn't plan for that. So This is what's happening. I'm watching the thing go down. I'm kind of like, wow, this young lady is going up there to get baptized. And I'm watching her go up to the front. Sean's in the water. And then what happens is they see her coming and four guys pick her up out of the chair, hand her to Sean, who puts her down in the water. She gets baptized and then Sean picks her up and hands her back. I'm sitting there like, this was so incredible. This moment where She just wants to go forward. She wants to do whatever it takes to take a step with Jesus. And she has no idea if it's going to work. And yet these people were there, the body of Christ, to help that along. It was really just one of those moments that breathtaking spiritually for me. I bring it up because we're in this series, Labels, where we're talking about how the gospel calls us to live a life above labels. And in this series of Luke, we've been looking every week at how Jesus interacts with these people on the fringes, people who would most likely be labeled by society. 
And then we see how Jesus really sees above that. And the gospel calls to follow Jesus and that we live a life above labels. And those labels are sometimes what gets people stuck in their faith. But here's the thing. I believe that God made us all to be passionate worshipers of the Lord. That he made us to be able to witness things that that steal our breath. That when we see those things, what happens is worship starts to erupt in us. And for me that day watching Renee go forward, I was just blown away just by her steps of faith, her not knowing what was gonna happen and seeing those guys come together, God made it all happen. It was breathtaking. There's something in us that's made for that. And that, when that lives in our life, when that passion comes up in us, it really transforms us and it transforms our faith. Like we need correct doctrine. We need to understand the truth. We need to know, you know exactly how to, you know, how to follow Christ, but we need passion in our life. That passion comes when we recognize the Lord and what he's doing in our life. We're made for that. But this is the problem. And I think maybe you could probably understand this. It's easier to be passionate sometimes about anything but the Lord, right? I mean, I I know this from my life. I know this from talking to people. People get passionate about their achievements. They get passionate about their new toys. You know, they get a new house or a new car or a new vacation or a new boat. I mean, people get passionate about their kids and what their kids are doing. People get passionate about you know, sports and their teams. I mean, I mean, it's a big deal, right? There's all these things we become passionate about because we're made for that passion. We were made to recognize things that are worthy of our emotions and our, our, you know, our joy. And what happens is oftentimes we kind of put God to the backside of that. Maybe we come into the kingdom and we recognize Jesus at first and we get excited, but then somehow our faith starts to become mundane or even, you know, uh, something that obligatory instead of a passionate faith. And let me tell you something. There's nothing more uh, attractive than passionate faith. There's nothing more contagious than a faith that is, is full of a breathtaking sense of awe of God. So then how do we get that? How do we... How do we have a more passionate faith? That's what we're gonna talk about today. If you have a Bible open, turn it to Luke chapter five. Let me share with you uh, a passage of scripture that I think is gonna help us. It's, uh, it's found there in Luke five, verse 17 through 26. I'm gonna read that and talk about that and just talk about this whole concept. Uh, but as I do that, uh, just, let's just take a second. Let's just talk to the Lord. Father, I pray that you would teach us what it means to have passionate faith. Uh, Teach us through the scripture. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. Help stimulate something in our souls, Lord. We ask that in your son's name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, like I said, go to Luke 5. The first thing I wanna share with this is that if we're gonna become more passionate about our faith, we need to recognize that Jesus' life was anything but ordinary. In context, remember last week we talked about how Jesus uh, was led out into the desert and was tempted by Satan. And all of that was a preparation that God was doing in Jesus' life, uh, the Father was, so that he would be ready for ministry. So he's getting ready to go into ministry. And when he does, uh, you know, he starts preaching and teaching uh, and kind of communicating and leading and getting disciples. He's healing people. And as his healing ministry started to grow, the word spread out and people were coming from all over to be healed by Jesus. So here's what happens next in John, or I'm sorry, in Luke chapter five, verse 17. It says this. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men who were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, 
they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. I mean, this is a pretty amazing scene, and maybe you've read this before, or, or maybe even seen this in the movies, how you know, Jesus would have been teaching in a home. Those homes uh, would have been built in such a way that on top, they were made with tiles that could be pulled off. Sometimes they would put sod and stuff on top of those tiles to, for insulation, uh, but those things could be easily taken off. So it wasn't like they were ripping apart the roof, but imagine in that moment, you know, Jesus is teaching, and there's a huge crowd, and this, you know, these four guys are carrying along a paralyzed man. This is an adult man. They're carrying him on a stretcher, trying to get him up there. So they get him up there. They, you know, they can't get through the crowd. They tell, go to the top of the roof. Jesus is teaching and out of nowhere, you know, light starts to peek through the ceiling and the ceiling's coming off and they're lowering this guy down, interrupting everything that's happening. I mean, imagine the setting and Jesus heals the guy. I think, you know, at the end, I love that. It says, everyone was filled with awe, that everyone was amazed. If you had been there, if you had been there, it would have been a day you never forgot as long as you live. But what happens is that, you know, when we read scripture, we read it enough times and you see enough of the stories and they just seem ordinary. This is what Jesus did. He, he had a storm and he calmed the storm. Uh, he had, you know, there was a, at night, he's walking on the water to, to reach the disciples on the sea. I mean, he's walking on the water. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's bringing people back to life. I mean, this is so ordinary. And yet, if you had been there, it would have been the most extraordinary day of your life. A day you would never have forgotten. A day you would have told your children and your grandchildren about. This was not ordinary at all. Imagine this moment, a paralyzed man on a mat gets up and walks. I think the witnesses who were filled with awe were doing exactly what they were intended to do. That as we witness the Lord for who he really is, something happens in us. I think our culture so desperately um, is trying to dumb down Jesus into something very ordinary. The culture is almost like they're trying to say that Jesus is just some political figure or just some religious figure from the early centuries. That he's nothing more than a teacher or a rabbi who did some good things and spoke some good things, but he's ordinary. Let me give you an example of a conversation I had with a person who's pretty far from God. This was years ago, and I had just really come to faith, and I was so excited about Jesus. I would talk to everyone I knew about Jesus, and I had this coworker, and uh, so I'm talking with him about the Lord. And at the time, so this was right after the LA riots were happening in the early 90s. So think back, if you're, if you're my age or more, if you're not, let me explain. There was a man named Rodney King uh, who uh, was caught on film. Uh, he was stopped by the police. He was, he was high, and you know, so he wasn't exactly you know, doing what he was supposed to be doing, but these policemen just beat him. I mean, they just, it was, was not good. Now, back then, no one had cell phones with cameras, but someone had a camcorder and they were filming this and they released it to the news. And once it got out to the news, I mean, everyone was outraged. I mean, everyone, it didn't matter what you looked like, everybody was outraged about this. 
Well, the police didn't get prosecuted, and then that just kind of started the L.A. riots. There was a man during the L.A. riots named Reginald Denny. He was a truck driver who was driving through L.A. at the time, a white truck driver, in the midst of all of this chaos that's happening, this riot. And these people, like I think there were three guys, really kind of drug him out of his truck. They stopped his truck, they, they broke his windows out of the truck, and they, they pulled him out, and they beat him, and they hurt him. They gave him, like they hit him with a brick on the head. I mean, this, this made national news. This guy was just you know, a truck driver, just trying to get through L.A. and uh, you know, almost lost his life. So that's what was happening in the news at the time. I'm talking to my friend at work and I'm trying to explain to him about who Jesus is and how he, he died on the cross for your sins. That it's our sins that separate us from the Father and how that you know, we all feel that, we all know that we're broken. And yet Jesus took on sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin. I mean, this is what he did so that you and I could be made righteous with God. I'm telling him all of this and what God's done in my life. And he looks at me and goes, well, what makes Jesus any different than Reginald Denny? And honestly, when he said it, I was a little bit flabbergasted. Like, so what you're saying is that Jesus and Reginald Denny are the same? Like, it's just, it's just they're no different. They just happen to be, you know, hurt by the wrong people. They, they both were taken by the crowd. They both were injured. I said to him, I said, buddy, they're not at all the same. They're not at all the same. Let me tell you something. Reginald Denny was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And if he had known what was going to happen, he would have made a different turn. He never would have been there. Don't you see? Jesus did this on purpose. He knew that the only way to pay for the sins of the world was to die on a cross. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is not ordinary. And I think the whole world is trying to convince people that Jesus is just ordinary. He's just like everyone else. And he's not. Secondly, is that we can't miss the bigger picture here. That we see this picture and we see this man get healed, but there's something else going on. Let me give you four things really fast that I think uh, you can see that are on the bigger picture of what's happening. The first one is this, is that Jesus was moved by these guys' faith. Remember, there's a crowd of people. They've got this guy on a mat, four men carrying him, and they, they can't get to Jesus, so they climb up. They go through the roof to bring him in. And here's what Jesus said in verse 20. It says, um, but finding no way to bring him in because in the crowd they went up, this is verse 19, they went up on the roof and let him down uh, on his bed through the tiles in the midst of Jesus. And here's what Jesus says, verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he saw their faith. Jesus was moved by their faith. Do you know what you would have seen? If you were in the crowd that day, you would have seen Jesus teaching and maybe stopped like, oh, what's happening? Or maybe you would have seen people going, hey, what's happening? And you see the ceiling opening up. Or maybe you notice the four guys lowering him and you're like, wow. And then you're like, oh, there's a paralyzed guy, right? And then you see this murmur happening between the religious leaders and what Jesus said about sins. I mean, maybe that's what you saw. But eventually, here's what you saw. You saw a guy who was paralyzed get up and walk. That's what you would have seen. Do you know what Jesus saw? He saw their faith. You see, Jesus is moved by their faith. These guys were so desperate to get to the Lord. That's what he saw. Secondly is this, is that Jesus understands what it is that we really need. Here's what happens next. He sees their faith in verse 20, and he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, if you're the four guys who just spent all that time carrying him, and I don't know how far along they had to carry him. I don't know what it took for them to carry him up on top of the roof, but that's, that's a chore. Then to figure out, oh man, we got to get him down there. So you're ripping up the ceiling and then you're going to lower him down on ropes. Like all of that, this is what you're wanting. And I'm sure the guy on the mat was wanting 
all the same things that these four guys were wanting. What they wanted was for him to get up and walk. They wanted Jesus to heal him, and they were desperate for that. Nobody was thinking about this man's sins. Nobody was thinking about his eternal spiritual destiny in the kingdom of God. Nobody was thinking about that except the Lord. The Lord was more concerned about this guy's eternal destiny than he was his temporal circumstance. Jesus knows what it is that we really need. And look, the truth is, we need someone like that in our lives. We need someone who sees beyond our physical need. The second thing, or the third thing I want to share is this, is that it was the preconceived ideas about God that kept the Pharisees and the leaders from seeing the truth. So Jesus says, okay, man, your sins are forgiven. And here's what they said, verse 21. It says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, here's the thing. They're actually right. On one aspect, they're completely right. No one can forgive sins but God. That's the reality, because when you and I sin, we're actually offending God, the one who created us. He made us to be in relationship, and it's our sin that separates us. So he's the one who has to forgive sin, right? And the Jewish people knew that. They did all of their rituals, and the, the Day of Atonement, and the Passover was all about being made right, dependent on God to forgive sin. And they understood that, but it was their preconceived ideas about God that made them miss the truth, because it didn't occur to them that Jesus might be God. It didn't even occur to them at this moment. They missed out on the truth. Lastly, I want you to see this point. Jesus tells this guy on the mat, your sins are forgiven. And then there's this little interaction with the, the leaders, but he tells him, I want you to get up and walk. Verse 25, and immediately he rose up before them and picked up what, had been lying on, what he'd been lying on and he went home glorifying God. I think in this moment, it's easy to look past that. But this man had to believe Jesus to even go there. He knew Jesus was his answer before he even went there. But he heard Jesus say, get up and walk. And there's that moment where you actually have to go beyond belief into responding. It's one thing to hear it and agree with it. It's another thing altogether to say, this is true. I'm gonna live my life on it. This guy had to get up and walk. I think faith is more than just believing something to be true. Faith is allowing your life to reflect what it is that you believe to be true. There's a bigger picture going on. And I think what we see here is Jesus is revealing his divinity. He's revealing that he indeed is the one who can forgive sins. And he is the answer to our sin problem. That's the big picture. This is all alluding to something that's gonna happen at the end of his life when he dies on the cross and pays the penalty for sin. He's alluding to that even right here. He's the answer to the bigger problem. This is what I think is a reality for us though. Sometimes we allow our immediate problems to hinder us from faith because our focus is on Jesus. We need you to fix our immediate problem. And sometimes that keeps us from actually focusing on him. Secondly, sometimes our preconceived notions keep us from following God because we're like, well, God, you know, must be like this. Do you know how many times I've heard believers and non-believers say things about God that just aren't true? Well, I think God wants me to be happy. 
Well, I don't think a God would live like that. I don't think a God would want that. Like they have all these ideas about who God is. And do you know what happens when we, we say our ideas about God without actually looking at how God reveals himself? We actually make God into our own image. And all of that hinders our faith. And let me tell you what happens when our faith gets hinders, hindered. We become spectators rather than participants. And let me tell you something. It's super easy to become a spectator, to listen to, to what is said about the Lord, to listen to what he reveals about himself and say, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. And never actually participate, never get up and walk. And let me tell you something. Here's what happens. That hinders our faith and then we never experience God showing up that's gonna make us be filled with awe, a sense of worship in the Lord. Because we've, we've turned faith into something where we just show up on a Sunday or we show up at a life group and we just are showing up and checking a box in our mind that, oh yeah, I agree with that, I agree with that, I agree with that, without ever actually allowing it to inspire us to respond in faith. So all right, so let's say all that's true, right? That Jesus, Jesus was anything but ordinary and you know, there's a bigger picture going on in our lives that even from what we're seeing in this scripture, but even in our own lives, there's a bigger picture going on. All right, so how does that help me become a passionate worshiper or someone who's got a sense of awe in my faith? How does that happen? Well, that's the last thing I wanna share is this, is that there's a direct connection between seeking and being filled with awe. There's a direct connection between seeking after the Lord and being filled with a sense of awe of the Lord, to have that passion in your faith. Remember, these guys are absolutely convinced that Jesus is the answer, right? These four guys, and they are like, we've got to get our buddy to, to Jesus. So they are literally going to put him on a mountain. They're going to carry him. And it says, um, in verse 18, it says, they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. They were seeking after the Lord. Like, we have to get this done. I'm gonna seek after the Lord. And look, the guy on the mat, of course, wanted to get to Jesus because that was his hope. But these four guys are like, we've gotta get our buddy to Jesus. They're all seeking together. And that's, that's what happens. And what was the end result of all of that? After they watched what happened, they're seeking him with all their heart. And here's what happens in the end. In verse 26, an amazement sees them all and they glorified God and were filled with all saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. What was the end result of seeking after the Lord? They witnessed what the Lord's activity was. And as a result of that, they were filled with a sense of all. You see, there's a direct connection to seeking and being filled with a sense of all. These guys didn't let anything stop them from getting to Jesus. And that in and of itself is extraordinary. But when you see Jesus work in your life, something happens in you. You don't have to try to be filled with awe when you're seeking after the Lord and he shows up. Do you know what it says uh, in Jeremiah 29, 13? This is a passage of scripture all the way back, speaking to the Old Testament, you know, through the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel. And he talks to them about, look, God has a plan. Even though you're going into captivity, God has a plan. And it, you're, you know, it's gonna be hard on you guys, but God has a plan for your life, a, a plan to, to prosper you. He's, he's got a plan. And here's what he says at the end of that. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a promise from God. 
You know, in the book of James, the brother of Jesus said, look, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. If you really want to know the Lord, if you really want to be filled with a sense of all, you have to seek him with all of your heart. I think for us, you need to realize that sometimes we are the guy on the mat, right? We're the guy on the mat who's broken in our life and we need to be in front of the Lord. We need to respond to the gospel and have our sins forgiven. If you're listening in and you've, you've maybe been a person who was about church or maybe you're just trying to seek things out and figure out what is this all about, you need to understand first and foremost, you might be the person on the mat, spiritually speaking, you're broken and you need a healing touch spiritually to heal your soul, to be forgiven of sin. Sometimes we're the guy on the mat, but sometimes we need to be those four guys who are carrying people to Jesus. There is nothing more impactful on your faith than when you are sold out to the mission of helping people to know Jesus. There's nothing that happens more that when you are literally like, Lord, I need to bring people to you. I need, use my life that somehow I could carry people to you somehow. Now, whether that's being through caring or through sharing or, or whatever it is, that the Lord wants us to be about his mission to drag people to the Lord, carry them to do whatever it takes. And when, when that happens, when you're about that and you see God interact with people and change people's lives, watch what it does to your faith. Imagine those four guys that day, right? Now, the guy who got up and walked, his faith was forever changed, right? He told everybody for the rest of his life what happened, right? But what about those four guys? What do you think happened with them? Now, let me tell you something. In, in our church, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we had this, this uh, lady named Terry who, who came to faith. The reason she came to faith is because deep down, God had been reaching out to her. She'd been having these dreams about God and that she couldn't explain. But at the same time, she had these friends at her gym that she'd work out with that were just sold out to the Lord. And the way they lived their lives, you know, they of course would go and work out and that's part of their routine, but they just lived in such a way that they were trying to draw people to Jesus. And they, you know, one of the girls invited this girl, Terry, to go to her Bible study. And Terry said, look, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm an agnostic and I'm, I'm kind, of a, kind of obnoxious. I don't, you know, I, I wanna know the answers and you may not, are you even gonna accept me in your Bible study? And, and the girl who invited her, Man, she was just hoping she would come and she was kind of intimidated and, you know, but she came, Terry started to come. And, and over time, she started to hear all the stories of these girls in that group and how God had been working in their life. And she couldn't explain it. And God kept working on Terry and she went to a conference. And she started to hear more of the truth. And one night through a dream, God spoke to her and made her realize that she was the one who was hindering her relationship with God. She was shutting the door on the Lord and the Lord kept knocking. And one day, she allowed that door to open. She allowed the Holy Spirit to come into her life and it's transformed her life. And let me tell you something. There were so many people praying for Terry. So many of those ladies that were praying for her. And, and you know what happened? Their faith grew. They became filled with a sense of awe. They became filled with a sense of extraordinary worship because they've seen God do something where Terry was someone who was so far from God and somehow became alive to Christ. And let me tell you something, it's a miracle every time someone comes to faith because spiritually they're considered dead and then they become alive in Christ. That's a miracle, extraordinary. You wanna have extraordinary faith. You wanna be filled with a sense of all, seek after him. Let me ask you something. Has that been a hindrance for you? Are you seeking after him? Do you want him? I, I was thinking just as, you know, maybe all of us want to be more passionate in our faith. 
the question is, has there been an area that maybe the Lord has been speaking to us and we've said, eh, I'll get around to that later. Because let me tell you something. That's what spectators say. Spectators say, ah, I'll, you know, that's, you know, that's down the road. Or, you know, maybe I'm doing this right now. I'm not doing that. But when you know the Lord has put something on your heart, and it could be something simple. Like I mentioned baptism twice, you know, in this, in this service early on, I was talking about baptism. And look, if you've never been baptized, that's a step of faith he's asking of you. And if you really want to know him, then you have to follow him. You have to act on what he said. You have to seek after what he's saying for your life. That, by hindering that step, you're hindering your own faith. Maybe he's been talking to you about forgiving somebody. Or maybe it's a step about getting more involved in the word or in prayer. Or maybe it's a step where he's asking you to get rid of something or someone, you know, that's not good for your life. Maybe he's talking to you about generosity. Maybe he's talking to you about something completely different. He's asking you to start being more involved in sharing the truth with others or loving other people. There's so many things he's asking us to get involved in. He's asking us to be participants in faith with him. And if you've been kind of putting those things off, you're going to draw yourself into just being a spectator and your faith is going to simmer out. It's going to slow down. It's going to become cold. And you're going to wonder, man, where did my passion go? Where are you at? I'm going to ask you to talk to the Lord now. And if you recognize something there, and if you want a deep, passionate faith, I'm going to ask you to talk to God and allow him to speak to your heart, agree with him, and then say, Lord, I am yours. Help me take a step this week in whatever step he's asking you. Let's take a second to pray. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, to be people of the word uh, that are participating in your truth. God, we all want to have passionate faith, but we know what it boils down to is that we seek you with all of our heart. And God, I'm praying right now that as we seek you with our heart, Lord, you would meet us where we're at. Give us the steps to take and help us to take them this week. We ask that in your son's name, amen. If you're listening in and you are thinking about what it would mean to, to have a relationship with Jesus and you want someone to talk to about that or, or maybe you want to take a step of baptism or maybe you just need uh, you know, some, some advice on like how do I take a next step, feel free to reach out to me. It's edt at lifepointohio.com. edt at lifepointohio.com. I'd be happy to engage with you and, and help you take a step and, and try to get you connected uh, in some way that'll help you in your faith. Lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity to those who are listening online and, and that you care about what's happening with LifePoint. You, this allows us not only to have this platform here, but to do the things in the city that we've been doing in terms of helping uh, all of uh, you know, our groups to, to be pushed out and to you know, really do great things in our city, but also supporting our church plants locally and abroad. So just thank you for the way you give. I just want to remind you, if you want to look online at lifepointohio.com, you can find ways to give um, and support what we're doing in our church. Thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing today. Until next time, God bless.